Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It is another Well-Being Wednesday, and I am your host, Bill Krieger. I hope you joined us last week when we talked with Dr. Jesse about social well-being. If not, please go back and check that out. This week, we'll be talking with Mike Raid about his journey from alcoholism to sobriety. So, Mike, if you'd introduce yourself, we'll go ahead and get the conversation started. Okay, my name is uh, Mike Raid, and uh, I've been with the company for uh, 23 years. I work in the Submetro Group. I'm uh, rapidly approaching taking my uh, journeyman's test, uh, and I've been here for about in this department for about five and a half years. The reason that we're really talking today is a few weeks ago, we sent out a message to all of our coworkers talking about the alcohol policy here at Consumers and um, giving some resources in case you needed some help. And that prompted you to kind of reach out to us. And the interesting fact about you, Mike, is that you are a recovering alcoholic. And so if you would just kind of walk us through your journey from uh, from the days where you started drinking till now where you're in recovery. Okay, thanks, Bill. Um, absolutely. I uh, just to touch on the email. I just appreciated and responded to it um, because it it, it gave uh, opportunities for people to ask for help, um, and um, that led me to uh, kind of uh, tell a little bit of my story, which, uh, like a lot of recovering alcoholics, my story started with uh, very early use. Um, I had a lot of freedom as a child. I had good, good, hardworking parents that did pay attention, but we had a lot of, growing up in the 70s and 80s, we had a lot of freedom. Uh, You know, we could go pitch a tent in the neighborhood and kind of get into things that we probably weren't supposed to. So like a lot of people, uh, one of my uh, precursors was a, a very early start uh, with my introduction to alcohol. Uh, I came uh, from a, a big, loving Yugoslavian family that we golfed a lot, we drank a lot, we, we laughed a lot. And most of the people in my family have carried on with, uh, with, with normal uh, usage. And as I grew into adulthood and went through, uh, like a lot of us, I had traumatic experiences, uh, a loss of a friend from a traumatic car accident at 19 years old. Uh, I, I entered adulthood uh, unsure of myself with insecurities of uh, dropping out of college and job uh, search, you know, not going well for, for uh, long periods of time. And I just, uh, the, the throughout my adult life, I just, I drank heavier and heavier and heavier. Mike, was there a, a- turning point where it went from heavy drinking to like you needed to drink was do you recall there being a a point where that happened um you know there there's been so many of those moments i guess since you asked the question my mind is racing um about i think the first time that i really reached out and asked for help that i knew that i that that i had a problem was uh probably a little bit after i received uh even even while working i i received an operating a motor vehicle while under the influence and uh the penalties were less back it was in 04 and uh it was a huge red flag a huge turning point uh most people in that situation would uh make the proper decisions um 
I think for me, because it, it, I could never have that happen uh, again. Otherwise, I would lose my job. Um, for me, it sort of made me isolate, which was a huge step in the wrong direction. Um, you'll find that most alcoholics and addicts have a history of isolating. And, and to me, after that, I, I didn't have the freedom to go golfing and go to this place and this place and this bar and go visit this friend. I found myself isolating more and more and more. And that meant even to the point where I moved closer to bars I could walk to or um, just just really bad decisions that involved me uh, not driving anymore under the influence, but, but isolating at home and at places that I, I should have uh, taken a healthier turn and, and did different things. And, and I, and I continued to make bad decisions. So if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, I mean, you did get kind of that wake up call, you got pulled over, you got the ticket. Um, I'm sure there was some things you had to do, uh, to get through that. Uh, but, but the wake up call wasn't that you needed to stop drinking. The wake up call was that you needed to stop drinking and driving. Yeah. Like a lot of, uh, uh, people that really, that, that start early, that, 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 that your life revolves around, I think even in the email that the company set out that, that, that initiated our conversation and this podcast, uh, the normalcy, the normalcy of your life evolving around drinking uh is is where i was stuck at for a huge part of my adult life i mean that it uh finding things to do for recovering alcoholics uh that don't involve alcohol um it's at thanksgiving it's at football games it's at it's at tailgates it's at uh any any kind of uh, uh healthy activity um, a lot of times involves alcohol consumption, and uh, it, it's 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 becoming with with people, uh, you know, having a normal life, and, and then having all of the COVID make you stay home more. I'm worried about people isolating and not having that healthy. Uh, function of hey go and visit a friend and and yeah maybe you you have a few um to where now you're at home more and more and more and for me when when the isolation came in when i started to be at home more when i started to drink for the first time at home the 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 levels of consumption really were going up and up and up and ultimately that's what ended me in the hospital that's what ended me with uh, my bottom, with uh, getting help, going to rehab, and, and, and stopping drinking. So, Mike, let's talk about that for just a second. You've, you started drinking at a young age. You started drinking more and more. You had this wake-up call. You started isolating, and then you started drinking at home and alone. And something happened, right, after all these years of drinking. Something happened that changed your outlook on this and you kind of alluded to it that you ended up in the hospital can you talk about what your rock bottom was that, that got you to the point where you knew you needed to do something yes absolutely um uh, we discussed the the importance uh, unfortunately sometimes 
of hitting rock bottom for the recovery process. And mine was, uh, I'd had uh, very successful weight loss surgeries. Um, I actually spoke at a weight loss uh, conference with my surgeon. Um, and uh, I had over a 270 pound weight loss. And I had had all these wonderful gifts, including full custody of my teenage son. And I found myself in a very, very dark place, even after receiving all of these wonderful gifts. I could no longer overeat and I could no longer drink beer because of the carbonation from my surgery. So I found myself drinking vodka, which I had never uh, experienced in my life. I had something I'd never drank. And for me, my experience with vodka was very rapid decline. Uh, the amounts kept going up and up and up. And my behavior uh, in the evenings was really despicable to me in the way that I'd been raised and the fact that I was supposed to be a full-time father and, a, and an active uh, responsibilities from, from working here at Consumers. Uh, when I was talking to uh, parents and, and my parents, I would forget things. And the next time I talked to them, they're like, yeah, we, we talked about this. And I, and, and, and that, that was a, an increasing problem. And I just, to be honest, I started embarrassing myself and, and I got alone and afraid at Christmas time. And my son had gone to a really good friend's family over Christmas. And when he came home, I was basically in a three day blackout of uh, just drinking from the time I got up. I was alone. I was afraid. I was isolating. I was doing all the wrong things. And I got to where the amounts were basically out of my control because I was in a blackout and my son was so afraid of my condition when he came home he, he immediately turned around and went back to his friends which was a first he had no idea my problem had escalated to that point and uh i i, I became very aware in the middle of when uh, when he left of how bad things had really gotten to me for me and and especially in the last few months and that i was going to lose my son who already had lost one parent from from addiction and, and, and my job is very important to me. I, uh, uh, and, and, I, and I was getting to that point where uh, things were really going to take a dark, dark, dark turn for me. And I was going to lose everything. And it was right in front of my face. And so I, I, I called an ambulance on myself. Uh, I think that was the 28th of 2014 of December and, um, and, and went to the hospital and, and had a, a horrific two days of hallucinating and um and entered rehab uh and my first day of sobriety is 12 29 14. i want to go back to what you just said you were in the hospital and for two days you were hallucinating and it sounds like the amount of alcohol you were drinking not only could ruin your relationship with your son and you know lose your job but it almost sounds like it could have been lethal at some point Absolutely. I tell this, uh, there's many, many things I share in recovery meetings uh, with other recovering addicts. Um, and one of the things that I, that I say pretty frequently is the last few months of my drinking, uh, almost every single time I drank, it was a lethal amount. And you were, the other thing, Mike, is that you were, you were drinking a lot in your own words, but it sounds like you're son and your coworkers and the people around you didn't really even see it like you did 
you were really good at hiding this. Uh, I I was uh, because it was important to me because I had had I wanted to keep up appearances of uh, hey look at you know uh, I've had so many people walk up to me I had such a tremendous weight loss uh, you know almost a three hundred pound weight loss so I had people walk up to me and they thought I was some kind of uh, uh, hero of uh, uh, of some sort and uh, the last. Uh, multiple months of my drinking with the hangovers coming back into my life and with feeling I, I basically was standing in front of them thanking them complete feeling like a complete fraud and and so I hid it the best that I could um, I remember uh, people that would uh, that would uh, that, that were heavy 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 drinkers would sometimes grab my drink at functions and take a sip and look at me like whoa uh what are you drinking that is basically straight vodka with a little bit of something to cut the color and these were heavy 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 drinkers and they were looking at me like whoa i think you got a problem and and they were right uh there is a difference between a heavy drinker and 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 an and and an alcoholic and uh my i drank late you know i drank when i wasn't on call and 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 if I only had one night of, of, of uh, the week where I wasn't on call, I would make up for those six days that I was. And, and my son, a lot of times, was already in bed or on the cell phone with his buddies or playing a video game online. Or, you know, I did it uh, sometimes uh, even in the morning because he wouldn't, he was a teenager, he'd sleep in. It was completely dysfunctional, even the hiding process. And so you went through all of this, and then right around Christmas time, you go to the hospital, you go to rehab, uh, and then you come out, and um, now you're five and a half years sober. How has that been for you when you compare it to how it was prior? Oh, my life has just been an amazing blessing. Uh, my son got to receive a, a sober father. Um, for nearly all of high school and now he's in his second year of college um i got married for the first time in my life i bought a home for the first time in my life um it it uh life is not perfect uh i see a lot of people sometimes that uh don't understand some of the hypocrisy in in church settings or recovery settings and i can tell you firsthand uh that uh you know, faith and recovery does not make equal perfection. It, it, it just means that I'm not on a fast track to ruining my life anymore. I make mistakes. I have to apologize. I, uh, I mean, you can ask my coworkers, you can ask my pastor, you can ask my wife. Uh, I even have to go over and, and tell the dog I'm sorry sometimes because I still make mistakes. I'm, you know, I didn't get to this point and have all these issues in my past because, uh, you know, I was perfect. I, 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 I continue to be a very broken person that works really hard on not being broken anymore. You know, it's a great point that none of us are perfect. Uh, no one. And uh, to be able to accept that and then to be able to make amends for that is amazing. And when you talk about, you know, people looked at you as a hero uh, because of your weight loss. I mean, the true heroes, right, are what you're doing today. You're 
taking care of your family. You have a son who's in college. Um, you have a house. You have a wife. I've, I've heard your dog on the phone, and I know that your dog sounds very happy, too. We're getting close to kind of winding up the, the podcast today, and, you know, your story is so incredible. I just kind of have one more question, and that is, what would you like to tell the people listening out there today? Uh, what advice would you give to people? Uh, I definitely appreciate you asking that one. Um, the most important thing in recovery is honesty and uh to, to be able to, to be completely honest and ask for help um, because those are the most important things in recovery. And there's a ton of, of help available through uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and Narcotics Anonymous, and the company has many resources. And um, that's the most important thing. And, and other than that, as a second you know, kind of side note, uh, to stay busy. Uh, there, I, volu- uh, I volunteered at elderly gentlemen's homes, at uh, at schools, uh, coaching. Uh, there is so many people out there that need our help, and and it's so crazy how when you help others, it completely makes you forget during that whole process that you're helping others about your problem. It's, the, it's one of the most healthy things that you can do is just put yourself out there and do a, help, a healthy thing for yourself, for the community, for your children, for your coworkers. It will take you right out of the uh, me, 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 I, you know, thinking about yourself all the time. Well, I don't like this about me. I, I struggle with it. You, when you're helping others, you completely forget all. It all floats away. Well, and that's that's a powerful, powerful message right there. And I think your whole story is quite powerful and will be helpful to our coworkers, our families, our friends. Uh, and I really can't thank you enough for your willingness to put yourself out there, to share your story, and uh, to, to give back to people. And I know this is going to impact lives. And thanks again, Mike, for being here. Thank you, Bill. The 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 company was definitely there for me. I had coworkers visit me in the hospital. We work in an amazing place that has our back and will definitely be there for us when we ask for help. I, I absolutely, absolutely appreciate all the help I've had here at Consumers. Thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us, Mike. And thanks for allowing yourself to be vulnerable. I'm sure your story will help others in their journey as well. And a special thank you to our audience for tuning in. Remember, you can listen to all the previous editions of this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. So please go out and check them out. Let us know what you think. And join us next week when we'll talk with Tina and Glenn about moral injury and how that differs from PTSD.